Hey, uh, I thought I'd start with a joke this morning. An old preacher sent a... Thanks, Joseph. (laughs) An old preacher sent a message for two of the church members to come to his home. One was a lawyer and the other was a venture capitalist. When they arrived, they were ushered into his bedroom. And as they entered the room, the preacher held out his hands and motioned to them to sit, one on each side of his bed. The preacher grabbed each one by the hand, sighed contentedly, smiled, and just stared up at the ceiling. For a time, no one said anything. Finally, because it was getting a bit awkward, the lawyer said, Preacher, why did you ask us to come? The old preacher mustered up his strength, and then he said weakly, Gentlemen, I'm about to die. The Bible says Jesus died between two thieves, and I wanted to go the same way. (laughs) Do we have any lawyers in the house? (laughs) Any venture capitalists? Just kidding. I know plenty of uh, godly lawyers, godly venture capitalists, bankers. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Hey, uh... My message this morning is called Abiding in Christ. Everyone say abiding. Uh, C3 has just launched a new album. The album's called Abide. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to get it, to download it. Uh, it's more of a worship style album and abiding, the whole concept, the whole thought around just abiding in the presence of God. I'm going to share a little bit about that today. Uh, but I want to talk about Uh, abide, what it means to abide. So it's interesting to be in Christ, you read that in the scriptures, to be in Christ is to be born again. It's to have a relationship with Jesus where God comes into our life, to be in Christ. But to be in Christ is not the same as abiding in Christ. To abide in Christ. To be in Christ relates to our spiritual position. We are in Christ. We are righteous before God. We are going to heaven. But to abide in Christ relates to our relational position, our closeness to God. If I was to say to, to you this morning or ask you the question, how close are you to God right now? Say on a scale of one to 10, if one was really close and 10 was quite a way away. And I asked you, where, where are you in that sense of abiding relationship, connection right now? Uh, we may have different answers. And you know what? In our walk with Christ, I must say that, you know, we, I wouldn't say that we're always really, really closely connected and really, really closely bonded uh, relationally with God. Spiritually, obviously, there's no disconnection. We don't lose, gain our salvation off and on. We're in Christ. We're located in Christ. We're saved by grace and faith in Him, and, and we will go to be in heaven. But I'm talking about just that the walking with God, that closeness. To abide means to dwell, to endure, to, to remain, to stand, to tarry, to continue. It's, it's uh, in John 15, 4, Jesus says, Abide in me 
and I in you. It's, a, it's an agricultural metaphor that he's using right there. He talks about the vine and the branches. He talks about the fruit. And, um, and, and it, it comes down to just our, our understanding of what Jesus has done. That's our position. But then where we locate ourselves right now. And depending on what's happening in our world, sometimes if we're facing a challenging time or circumstances that we're we weren't expecting or we've got no answers to, sometimes we can feel like we're not close to God or where is God? I don't sense that abiding. I feel like there's a disconnection. That doesn't mean there is one spiritually, but it's important that we are able to locate ourselves and to to hold on to Jesus in the ups of life and in the downs of life. As we go through life, there will be seasons of success, seasons of breakthrough, seasons of joy, but there also will be seasons of disappointment, failure, grief. It's, that's, the, that's life. It's got nothing to do with your level of faith. Uh, it's got everything to do with just walking through life. And so it's important that when things are up, when things are going well, that we are cognizant of the fact that it is because of what Jesus has done and our connection to Him that He is the source of all those good things. He is the source of that success. He is the source of that breakthrough. He is the source of that promotion. He is the source of that bonus. He is the source of that pay rise. Can you imagine a grape, a grape sitting on the vine and it's looking around and it's looking at itself and it goes, you know what, I'm much bigger than all these other grapes. And uh, I'm a lot shinier as well. And, you know, I would probably suspect that I'm a lot juicier. Just looking at the, looking at the other grapes on the branch and, and looking around. And can you imagine that grape then going, you know what? I don't think I need this vine. I think I'm doing all right without the vine. I'm going to jump off the vine. And I'm going to go and do my own thing. And I'm going to continue to succeed. I'm going to continue to be blessed. I'm going to continue to see all these good things happen in my life. What would happen to the grape if that grape disconnected itself, shook itself around, spun around, dropped itself off, rolled away and decided it was going to go and do its own thing? What would happen to that grape? It wouldn't take long for that grape to shrivel up, dry up and perish. This is the analogy that Jesus is using when he's talking about abiding in Christ. He's using that agricultural analogy to say just as the grape or just as that branch could not continue to thrive, to become everything that it was called to be as a, as a grape, um, even though it will probably be crushed sometime to make wine or something. But anyway, that's beside the point. Jesus is using this analogy to say, just as with that grape, so it is with our own life. That if we are blessed, if we've got good things happening in our world, that it's important that when we feel like we're on our way up, that we don't then remove ourselves from our acknowledgement of God and what God has done and what God is doing in our life. That He is the branch, He is the vine, and we're the fruit. We're the branch. You're not the vine. I, I know you might think you're the vine. <laughs> you're not the vine. You're not the source of all the good things that are happening in your life. God is sovereign. 
God is sovereign over the world and every good thing you have in your life right now has come from Him. We abide in Him when we acknowledge that. When we say, you know what, I am not the source of every financial blessing that I've got. I'm not the source of the fact that I've got a good marriage or a good family. Yes, we contribute to these things. I'm not saying that they happen apart from us. But uh, I was talking to Steve on the way in this morning. Where's Steve? He's left. (laughs) He obviously didn't like my message on the way in. (laughs) Oh, here he comes. This is Steve. Give Steve a big hand. (laughs) Anyway, we were talking on the way in, and Steve was just saying how... um, uh, he, he'd read a story in the paper about a, this guy who uh, had been in jail a lot of his life and uh, covered in tattoos and, and uh, I hadn't read the article. I don't know if anybody else read it, but it was talking about his story and he was saying how, you know, at the age of, he grew up in a very violent family. Uh, his mother was beaten. He was beaten. Uh, it was a violent and aggressive home life. And at the age of seven, he ran away from home and began to live on the streets. He was raped at the age of 10, uh, and his life spiraled out of control from that point on. Lots of bad things happen. Uh, he's out of jail, and he had, uh, anyway, a church had begun to uh, invest in him, giving him a home, and his life was starting to turn around. Anyway, Steve and I were just chatting on the way in and going, you know what? Um, there's an old saying, I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, it says, but for the grace of God, there go I. It's very easy to judge people who are in certain scenarios, certain circumstances, living in certain ways and go, oh, you know, that, why are they doing that? Why, why are they making those decisions? Uh, don't they know that that's going to cause problems down the track or whatever? But you know what? It's but for the grace of God that we have been blessed if we have any good thing that we've had the family that we may have grown up with the the country that we're living in we didn't choose any of these things it was the grace of God that we are blessed by them and if we acknowledge them and then also realize because we've been blessed in certain ways nobody's had a perfect upbringing no one's had a perfect life I remember reading a Gary Larson comic anyone seen Gary Larson anyone remember the far side comic no one remembers Far Side. Thank you. <laughs> I used to love reading them every day. Anyway, there was, I remember seeing one. It was in a big amphitheater. And there was two people sitting right up the back. And it said, uh, the conference for the people who were born with perfect parents. <laughs> and there was two people there. You know, we've all, we, we can all say, you know, things that weren't perfect in our life or whatever. And... Uh, All of us can complain about different things or whatever, but what I'm saying is that there are good things in our world and it's important that we acknowledge those. It's important that we are thankful for those and that we acknowledge God for them because without Him, we have no good thing. That's what the Bible teaches us. And abiding in Him as we succeed, as we grow, that's why tithing is a sign of our acknowledgement that the blessing in our life has not been produced simply by our own hard work. When we tithe, we're saying, God, I know that you're the source of my financial blessing. 
Yes, I had to work hard, might have gone to university, might have worked long hours, but it's God that gave us the ability to learn if we, went to, if we went to university or if we went to school. It's God that put us in an environment where we could go to school, where we could learn, where we could have opportunity. All of these things have come from Him. And when we bring our tithes, we are simply acknowledging, God, I did not get to where I am simply by my own volition, my own hard work. I know that I abide in you and that blessings in my life has come from you. It's the same with other areas of our life where we're acknowledging that, God, that, we, that we abide in him and he in us. Uh, and that through that relationship, we are transformed, that we are changed. Um, I was... Um, you know, I was thinking about this whole process of abiding, of clinging to Christ, of reaching out to Him. And you know, the truth of it is, when I was thinking about it, and I think all of us are the same in some way, we have a longing for God and an aversion to Him at the same time. We have a longing for Him and yet an aversion to Him. It's like we are schizophrenic in a way because we want to be close enough to the flame to be warm to see our life change, to see His blessings come into our life. But we don't want to be so close that we catch on fire and are changed completely to where we are unrecognizable. We want to be in between, reaching out and getting the benefits, but then not being so close that our whole life is influenced, that our desires, our dreams, our aspirations, the things that we want to do could be changed by a God who begins to put demands on us and says, I want you to do this. I want you to be this. I want you to be part of that. And so we've got this longing for God, this desire to be close and to be embraced by Him, and yet at the same time a wariness and a, and a, and a concern that, what that may cost us. But we needn't have that concern or that worry. Yes, He will change us when we give our life over to Him, but only for the better. Only for what is best for us, like a loving, caring father who desires the best for their children God desires the absolute best for you. We may not always be in agreement with what's the best. When you're 10 years old, you don't always agree that what your parents are saying is best for you. You think's the best for you. You have some other goals, desires, and ambitions, like not going to school, <laughs> like eating what you want. And yet any loving parent will put disciplines and will, will shape a child's character so that when they become old enough, they'll know what's right. They'll be able to make good decisions for themselves. God is the same. And if you're going through a challenge at the moment, if you're going through a difficult process, be assured that it is not God punishing you. It is not God being pernicious towards you because He is only love. He is only love. That's not just something He does. It is who he is. And so you can be confident of the fact, and as we draw close to him, we begin to realize that this is true. It was St. Augustine. If anyone knows the story of St. Augustine, he's a, one of the church fathers, early church fathers, and uh, he lived quite a debauched life before he became a, a priest, and then a, he's a saint now. 
Um, I'm working hard to get that way, but <laughs> it's a bit hard when you're not in the Catholic Church. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, um, but St. Augustine, he lived quite a debauched life, and then uh, he, uh, he came to Christ, and he, he completely turned his life around. And then one day, it was about a year or so after he'd given his life to Christ, and he was... He'd given, completely given himself over to God's purpose and calling for his life. He's walking down the street and one of his, um, one of the prostitutes that he used to sleep with saw him in the street and she called out to him as he was walking down the street and she said, Augustine, Augustine, it is I, it is I. And Augustine turned and he saw her and he said to her, yes, but it is not I. In other words, the Augustine that you knew 12 or 18 months ago is not the same Augustine that I am today. That's what Jesus does in our life. When we abide in him, we are conscious of the fact that we are no longer the same person, that something intrinsically changes and then on the inside and then extrinsically on the outside, behaviors, motivations, desires, hopes, dreams, aspirations, all begin to be shaped, all begin to be changed, all begin to be developed in accordance with God's great purpose and plan for our life. That's what abiding in Christ does. It's a drawing close to Him in the good seasons when everything's working well and not forgetting that he is the source of them. And then when things aren't going so well and things are tough, understanding that he is right there at that moment with us, not leaving us nor forsaking us. Um, So this relationship I'm talking, this abiding with Christ that, that Jesus calls us to, it's not to make us weird, but to make us willing. Some people think, oh, if you become too, you know, we have this picture of a, of a religious zealot. There's some kind of weirdo. You see them in town hall or something like that, standing up on them. I mean, I even get embarrassed. You know, and I'm a minister and I see people preaching, you know, to people. And I think, oh, you, that doesn't work. People just think weird, weird, weird weirdo. When we draw close to that's not, that's not. I'm not, I'm not making a judgment on them, but, but when you're abiding close to Christ, it doesn't make you weird. It just makes you willing. It makes you willing to, to abandon the things sometimes that, that we think are important and valuable and to take a hold of the things that he has desires and wants for our life. The Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. I want to look at three things here this morning about abiding in Christ So uh, I'll give them to you up front. Abiding in Christ is abiding in his presence. Abiding in Christ is abiding in his house. And abiding in Christ is abiding in his word. So King David, it says, was a man after God's own heart. And it must be true because God's the one that said it. Uh, So it wasn't by hearsay. God actually says, David is a man after my own heart. Um, And so we look at David and we think, okay, he's a man after God's own heart. Uh, why did God love him so much? Why was God so close to him? So you think, oh, it must have been because he was successful. And David was successful in many ways, but he's also failed in many ways. He didn't live one from one success to the next, from one great venture to the next, from one great investment to the next. 
he had some successes. He also had some abysmal failures. So it couldn't be just the fact that he was successful that God said he was a man after my own heart. So you say, okay, well, maybe, maybe it's not success. Maybe it's because he lived a perfect life. Maybe he lived a, a, a righteous life. Uh, and if you know the story of David, we're well aware that that's not the case either because he did some great things for God, um, but he also committed adultery, one of the most vulgar betrayals of trust that you read anywhere. I mean, if you think Brutus betraying Julius Caesar was a great tragedy, David betrayed a guy who was under him, an employee, if you like, who had completely dedicated his life to serving him, and he betrayed him, and he sent him out to die. I mean, just think about that. Um, Yeah. I was just thinking of the series. What's that series? No. <laughs> What's the one with um, Kevin Spacey in it? House of Cards. Anyone seen House of Cards? A few people. Put your hand up if you've seen House of Cards. A few people. Oh, man. Talk about betrayal. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Um, and so, you know, and David committed murder. Not only did, not only did he commit adultery, not only did he commit absolute a vulgar sense of betrayal, and then he had the guy murdered, and yet God says, this is a guy after mine own heart. It doesn't make sense. How could that be true? Acts 13, 22, it says, I have found David, son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Here's the essence of what it means to be after. It doesn't mean that you live a perfect life. We all make mistakes. Every one of us make mistakes. Maybe not to that extent, but you know what? The degree is not important to God. Every mistake, which the Bible calls sin, every wrongdoing, God doesn't put them on a scale. He just says it's either right or it's wrong. He doesn't go, well, that's a, that's a grade one sin. That's a grade one wrongdoing. So, you know, we'll let you off on that one. No way, that's a grade seven. That's a yellow card. <laughs> grade 10, get off the field, you're gone. No, God doesn't, he doesn't rate them like that. That's why Jesus had to come. If we think that we can stand before God because the things that we do wrong are only small things, God doesn't have a scale. It's either right or it's wrong. That's it. Right or wrong. That's why we need to come to Jesus, whether we think, well, well I'm not as bad as that person. It doesn't matter. We come before God because we all make mistakes. We all have regrets. We all do the wrong thing at different times. And so it wasn't because David was perfect or righteous that God loved him, and it wasn't because he was successful. It was because he had a heart for God. He desired God. I'm going to look at these three points here quickly. Number one, abiding in Christ is abiding in his, in his presence. David loved God. He loved the presence of God. He was not a perfect man. He didn't live a perfect life. But his heart 
was always for God, for God's glory, for his purpose and for his, his plans for his life. Um, Psalm 42, throughout the Psalms, we read incredible insights into David's life and his heart. Psalm 42, it says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? What an incredible heart he had. Psalm 8, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 63, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. This is the heart of the man that God said is a man after my own heart. He loved the presence of God. The first thing that was on David's heart always was God, his purpose and his desires. He put himself second to God's call and purpose and plan on his life. And if we want to be a person that God says is a man after or woman after my own heart or someone that abides in God, talking about in a relational context, not in a salvation context, it is important that we are saying, God, my life is for you. My desires are for your desires. My plans are for your plans and I want to fulfill your purpose for my life. That's a person that has a heart after God. And it's not about a formula. God's not a formula. God is not an algorithm. We don't put in certain inputs and then expect necessarily certain outputs. God is a person and we treat him and we relate to him as a person in loving relationship. Number one, abiding in Christ is abiding in His presence. I want to encourage you to spend some time in God's presence, to draw close to Him, to abide in Him, to be aware of the fact that He is our source of life, of blessing, of goodness. Number two, abiding in Christ is abiding in His house. David loved the house of God. Over and over again in the Psalms, he talks about his love to be in God's house. Psalm 26, 8, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Psalm 122, 1, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. I hear people say from time to time, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go to church to, to have a relationship with God. And look, I, I do understand, again, from a, uh, a technical aspect, if you go, okay, you know, theologically, is that true? But again, it's not about just, you know, meeting the theological demands of the Word of God. It's about a relationship. And the house of God throughout the Bible, is a place where God says, if you love me, you will come, gather together, and worship me. Now, I know I'm preaching the converted here because we're all in church right now. So <laughs> I'm not going to push this too hard, but there's always something in us, and it's, it's the sin nature, it's the temptation of the devil to, to try and isolate us 
from community, to try and disconnect us from the house of God, where we think, oh, I don't need to go, I'm too busy, or I've got this and that on. And there's always these thoughts, I don't need to go for God to love me. I don't need to go. It's not about need. A relationship is not about need. You don't get married and go, okay, I've just got to meet her needs and everything will be okay. Or vice versa. It's about a relationship. And God says, come into my house. Worship me in this house. And so um, these kind of scriptures are important. Love by nature seeks union. Love by its own nature seeks union. God is love and he seeks union with us individually, but also as the church, the body of Christ coming together. And Christianity is not just about believing. It is about belonging. It's not just about my relationship with God. It's about my relationship with God and with God's people. And so it is important that as a person with a heart after God's own heart, a person that is abiding with Him, not only do we have a love for God and His presence, but we have a love for his house and a commitment to his house. And number three, abiding in Christ is abiding in his word. Over and over again, David talks about his love for God's word. Um, Psalm 119, for probably six months, uh, two years ago, uh, Psalm 119, I I actually read it into uh, my phone, into my voice thing and uh every morning i would listen to it i'd listen to myself reading it because i i was just so impactful for me at that time it used to take 14 minutes and 36 seconds it's a long psalm um but i don't do that anymore because now i can go on um uh i uh version and you know you've got a little thing there and i'll read it to you has anyone else got that has anybody else used that you version. Um, yeah, some of the versions. Most of the versions. So anyway, now I, I don't have to listen to my own voice. <laughs> i got some American voice talking to me. <laughs> Americans. Um, but uh, uh, Psalm 119 is all about David and his love for God's word. Uh, just a couple of verses. Great peace have they which love your word, and nothing shall offend them. You say, I need peace in my life? then read God's word. Great peace have they which love your word. If you're looking for peace, if you're needing peace, if there's anxiety around a a situation, a relationship, an unknown about the future, then I encourage you to find some scriptures and begin to read them and meditate on them and read them to yourself or put them on your phone and listen to them in the bus. and I tell you, it'll, it'll bring peace. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You're not sure what decision you need to make. You're not sure about where you should be going. You're not sure. And all of us face situations where we're not sure. David says, your word, your word will bring light to my path. And a lamp, oh, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When we spend time in God's Word, if we're looking for direction, if we're looking for understanding, if we're looking for clarity, go to God's Word. Meditating on God's Word is what brings peace. 
Um, you know, I've got a whole bunch of other stuff there. Anyway, three things just quickly, and I'll finish with this. Three things that stop us from abiding in the Lord. Number one, worry. If we find ourselves worrying, it disconnects us from God, from abiding in Him, from finding the peace and the sense of assurance about what He is doing. Uh, Luke 12, 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? If you've got a thing with worry and you're worrying a lot, and even when you're not worrying, you're worried that you've got nothing to worry about, then I want to encourage you to begin to focus on God, begin to draw close to Him, because worry will disconnect you from God. Worry will disconnect you from faith, from assurance, from a sense of peace that God provides. You've got a choice. You can go to worry or you can go to God, and God will bring you that sense of assurance that everything's working out for good. Number two, worry disconnects us. Unforgiveness, when we've got an unforgiveness in our heart about something that someone's done to us, something that's happened, then it disconnects us from God. It disconnects us from hearing Him because that, that sense of anger, betrayal, unforgiveness um, will disconnect us. And Mark eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says this, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Just let it go for your sake, not for their sake, for your sake. Just go, you know what? I forgive them. I let it go. It's unjust. What they did was wrong. But I can't change it, and if I hold on to it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy me. It's going to eat away at my life. It's going to impact everything I decide, everything I do in the future. And so just let it go. Forgive. Let Jesus bring that forgiveness into your heart. Let it go. Number three, worry, unforgiveness. Well, actually, there's two more. Unbelief. Mark 6, 5, now he could do no mighty works there except he laid his hands on a few people, a few six people and healed them. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus could not do any miracles when there was people there that didn't believe that he could do them. If we want to see God moving in our life, we have a part to play in it. And that part is to spend time in his word where faith can be generated and we can trust and believe that he's able to do what he says he can do and we'll find him moving and the last thing is pride and it's what I started with when we think that everything that we have everything that we're doing and everything that we've accumulated has simply come because we're really really good at what we do and you may be but there's another source far beyond you and by acknowledging and humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, God, you are the source of all this and I thank you for it. Then we put ourselves in a position where God will continue to allow blessing to come into our life because he knows that if he can get it through us, if we'll be generous, if we'll understand that it's not for us to accumulate, but to be a source of blessing to other people, then he will continue to bring that into our lives. That's the way it works. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you your word is true. It brings peace. It brings assurance. It brings forgiveness. It brings transformation. Father, I encourage you to reach out here today. I ask that you would. Reach out to every person, to each and every one of us, God. That we would draw close to you. That we would abide in you. That we wouldn't just be saved, which is important and awesome. 
to go to heaven one day. But each and every day of our life, we would be drawing close to you. That our heart would beat with your heart. And that we would draw closer to the fire. Not just to be warmed. Not just to get the benefits. Father, but a relationship with you that will change us. Transform us. Transfigure us into the image of Jesus Christ. Just as we finish here today, I want to ask, while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, if you're here this morning and maybe you're away from God right now, maybe you aren't close to Him. If I said, where, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? How close are you to God right now? You'd say, you know what? I'm away from God. I'm not close to Him. I want to encourage you to come back to Him this morning, to draw close to Him this morning, to set your trust in Him this morning. Maybe you've never, ever asked Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity here today where this loving Father is reaching out to you and asking you to reach out to Him that you might have this relationship that He's talking about. If you've never done that, I want to pray for you at the end of this service. Or if you've done it at some point, at some time, but you're away from God right now and today you're saying, God, I want to come back. I want to draw back to you. I have gone astray, but I'm coming back. He will accept you. He is reaching out to you here today. So every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you want me to pray for you at the end of this service, to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life or to come back to Him. Just put your hand up so I can see it. I'm going to pray with you at the end.